I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles. And this is your weekly update. It's Monday, August 22nd. Let's start with what you missed over the last week. Then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. All right, let's get it going. So this weekend, we had quite a bit going on, especially in the NFL. But as always, we are going to start with the NBA. So this week, Embiid started off the week strong with the 76ers game against the Rockets. He scored 41 points on both Monday and then again on Tuesday. Mavs duo Irving and Hardaway put up 83 points together to barely beat the Pelicans by five. Draymond Green made his return after his suspension in the Warriors game against the Grizzlies on Monday. He did get booed by the Memphis crowd, but he is officially back for the season so far. The Heat-Nets game went into overtime after a slow start by the Heat. They were down 31-47 at half, but they came back to take the game into overtime and clinch the win after Bridges airballed the last attempt to score. They win by one. The Suns were down by 17 at half in their game against the Kings. They started their comeback in the third quarter, but still had to make a comeback of 22 points in the final quarter to beat the Kings by two. The Hawks beat the Magic by two, also with a buzzer beater. And then they did the same thing two days later with a three-pointer to beat the Heat. The Lakers upset the Mavs while AD balled out putting up a triple double the 21 and 21 team LA team beat Dallas by 17 the Nuggets Celtics game was a close one that went back and forth the final quarter was low scoring by both teams and while Tatum missed at the buzzer to save their home win streak that means that the Celtics lose their first home game of the entire season also Sunstar 
Booker had a great game on Friday, putting up 52 points to beat the Pelicans by 14. He is the high scorer of the week. The Jazz-Rockets game went into overtime, and the Rockets got the win to be 16 and s- against 6 at home after the Jazz missed their winning shot. Seeing that theme all throughout the week here. Hawkstar guard Trey Young is also out with a concussion after their loss to the Cavs. 116 to 95 on Saturday. There is no timeline for his return. And then to wrap up the week on Sunday, the Clippers ended their game against the Nets with a 22 and 0 run to take the W. The Nets only put up 15 points in the entire fourth quarter. The Suns also beat the Pacers, not super noteworthy, but that is their fifth straight win, so we will have to see if that winning streak continues into next week. Then also a little bit of a scary story here. Warriors assistant coach Dejan Milojevic died of a heart attack at age 42. He attended a private team dinner in Salt Lake City before their game versus the Jazz and then proceeded to have a heart attack. Absolutely crazy. Needless to say, their game versus the Jazz was understandably postponed. Milojevic was instrumental in the Nuggets and Serbian stars Nikola Jokic's development. He is also used to be the Serbian national head coach. So RIP and goes out and we our thoughts and prayers go out to his family. The Heat have retired jersey number 40 in honor of Udonis Haslam. He is the sixth Heat player to have his jersey number retired by the team. He is a three-time NBA champ, an NBA all-rookie second team in 2004. So congratulations to Haslam. That wraps up NBA news. So moving along to NCAA basketball. Monday was tame. No news to report there on upsets. But Tuesday, got some action. Number nine, Baylor went into overtime with K-State. The Wildcats did pull it off in overtime by four points. This is Baylor's first loss in the Big 12. There were two other Big 12, big Big 12 games that day. Number 19, TCU and Cincinnati also went to overtime after a back and forth game. Cincinnati got the last laugh, though, beating the Horned Frogs also by four. Then we had a ranked first ranked game in number 24, Iowa State, and number 20, BYU. This one technically isn't an upset, but it's still a top 25 loss as BYU beat the Cyclones, frankly, in both halves. They ultimately won by 15 points. Penn State may be 9-9 on the season, but they pulled off a big upset against number 11, Wisconsin. This is Penn State's first ranked win for their new head coach. Also, New Mexico is on a roll. Look for them to possibly be ranked this week after beating number 19, San Diego. Last week, they beat number 16, Utah State, handily this week. They beat the Aggies by 13. We then had a couple of ranked games on Wednesday. Number one, UConn beat number 18, Creighton, in a low-scoring game. Literally, the score was 62-48. to Creighton only managed to score 21 points in the first half alone. Yikes. They would manage to beat Seton Hall in third overtime to avoid another upset later in the week, though. Number five, Houston destroyed newly ranked number 25, Texas Tech. The Cougs Cougs won by 23. LSU then beat number 22, Ole Miss, after a great second half, putting up 54 points. They would 
Ole Miss, they would lose again on Saturday to number 13 Auburn, also by 23 points. Absolutely crazy. Not a good week for Ole Miss. Expect them to drop out of the rankings this next week. The only upset on Thursday was a big one. Number 10 Memphis started off well, beating USF by 15 at half. But then the Bulls came roaring back, scoring 42 points. Memphis had the ball at the buzzer, but they missed the three-pointer and they lose by one. And then another theme of this week is that the Big 12 has just been beaten up. Saturday was no different. West Virginia and number three, Kansas, were tied at 51 apiece going into halftime. Ultimately, though, the Mountaineers pulled off the upset at home, beating the Jayhawks by six. Then number nine, Baylor lost again, this time to the Longhorns by two. Number 19, TCU lost to number 24, Iowa State, for their second loss this week. They only lost this one by one. Quite a turnaround after beating two top 10 teams last week. Then they go on to lose two teams this week. They also will fall out of the rankings. Number 25, Texas Tech then beat number 20, BYU, after the Red Raiders put up 53 points in the second half. Like I said, it was a rough week in the Big 12. Then in the ACC, Pitt was 2-5 and five in the ACC, but they upset number 7, Duke, by 4. Sunday only had one upset, but man, number 10 Memphis is going to fall in those rankings this week. They lost to Tulane, who stormed the court after their big win. Speaking of storming the court, kind of switching to NCAA women's basketball, Iowa star Caitlin Clark was hit hard by a fan. It was an accident after Ohio State fans stormed the court when they beat number two, Iowa, 100 to 92. She is fine, but it's a scary moment that reminds you the dangers of when people do storm the court. And then also for women's basketball, Stanford women's head coach Tara Vanderveer is now the winningest coach in NCAA history, men or women's. She surpassed Duke's Coach K with 1,203 wins. She also has 37 trips to the NCAA tournament and three NCAA championships and Olympic gold medal. Quite a career, and she is still coaching. The Stanford women are ranked eighth in the AP poll in week 11. I know you don't believe me, but I actually am going to skip NCAA football this week, but you might see a lot of transfer portal like announcements. That's pretty much all that's going on. Also, Alabama players have been given 30 days to put their name in the transfer portal with the retirement of Nick Saban. Moving on to the NFL, because it was a lot of stuff going on. So going back to what feels like forever ago, we're going to cover Monday Night Football and wrap up those wildcard games. The Bills got off to a hot start, putting up 14 points in the first quarter. From that point on, they their teams completely equaled each other in scoring in the same amount of points for each exact quarter. So the Bills ultimately won by 14 to advance. The Eagles have fallen from the best team in the NFL to needing a wild spot to get into the playoffs, and it wouldn't get any better for the Philly team. They only put up nine points in the entire game of the wildcard game and had bad tackling run rampant, while the Bucks and quarterback Baker Mayfield had themselves a day. They scored 32 points. Baker Mayfield threw for 337 yards and three touchdowns to knock out the Eagles 32-9. to nine. It is a huge upset considering the Bucks barely made playoffs. 
Then we had playoff games and divisional games continue this week. First game of the weekend was the Ravens versus the Texans. It was a close game. We were tied 10-10 at half. The Texans scored their touchdown off a punt return for 67 yards. They also missed a 47-yard field goal with just 32 seconds left in the half. It all looked fine and dandy. After that, though, it was all Ravens. Baltimore came out firing. It only took six plays for them to score a touchdown on their first possession of the half, and they didn't stop there. They would score on every possession they had in the second half. In contrast, the Texans punted every single time. Ravens win and move on to the AFC Championship game, which they will host for the first time ever in team history. They won this game 34-10. to Unlike the first game, the Packers 49ers game was close the entire time. The two teams were exactly split on total, almost exactly split on total yards, first downs and time of possession. The Packers scored first with a field goal, and that was the only score in the first quarter. By the end of the first half, though, the 49ers were up seven to six. Third quarter, the Packers made their move, putting up 15 points, and the 49ers added a touchdown as well. But by the end of the quarter, quarterback Love Packers quarterback love would throw an interception 49ers would only get a field goal off of it but that pretty much started the comeback there the Packers missed a 41 yard field goal and then the 49ers scored a touchdown to go up 24 to 21 the Packers were trying to score in the final minute but another interception would end their playoff run Sunday brought us, frankly, just two great games. Even I watched this and I had no dogs in either fight. The Bucks lions game was so back and forth. The Bucks defense got a three and out to start, but then they threw an interception. The Lions then got a field goal off of that turnover. Then the Bucks got a field goal. And we ended the half tied 10-10, including a missed field goal by the Bucks. The second half was streaky. There were three straight punts, five touchdowns in the next six drives, and that would take us to about 4.37 left in the game. And the Bucks drew within eight points. So it is a one-score game, a touchdown and a two-point conversion. The Bucks defense again held the Lions. And so they got the ball back just inside that two-minute warning. Two plays later, though, Baker Mayfield would throw another interception. And that would seal the game. And the Lions win. With Taylor Swift in attendance, Kelsey would score twice in the Chiefs-Bills game. Go do it for T-Swift. The first quarter was tied 3-3. After the second quarter, the Bills were up 17-13, but it was a close one. Third quarter, the teams exchanged touchdowns. The Chiefs would then score another touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter to take the lead 27-24. After that, both offenses would then stall. The Bills went for it on the next drive on fourth and five from their own 32. If you're like, why on hell are you doing that? It was because the Chiefs only had 10 players on the field. And you know what? The Bills still failed to get the the fourth down conversion. The Chiefs had a short field, but the football gods smiled on Bills Mafia. Just two plays after they get the turnover, Chiefs wide receiver Hardman caught a pass, ran towards the end zone, but fumbled the ball and the ball rolled into the end zone, which actually results in a touchback. This is a very unusual ruling. We did have this one other time in the season that it was like literally for the game. So all of that being said, you go from the Chiefs being on like the two and fumbling the ball to now the Bills have the ball and it is a touchback. So start of a brand new drive. Huge sigh of relief for Bills Mafia. 
They went three and out, though, and then the Chiefs also punted. So with the Bills down three, they got the ball back plenty of time, 8.23 left in the entire game. They would use all but a minute 47 of that time for this drive. They got to the 26-yard line before they got stopped. They lined up for a 44-yard field goal to tie the game and hopefully go into overtime. But the kicker missed wide right, and that ends the Bills' season. The Chiefs are headed to their sixth AFC Championship game in a row. This was Patrick Mahomes' first playoff game on the road, and he has never not made it to the AFC Championship game in his entire NFL career. Looking forward to this next weekend. It'll be some great games both on Sunday. Moving along to the PGA Tour because this is truly special. College sophomore Nick Dunlap won the American Express over Christian Bazidenhout by one shot. He is the first amateur to win the PGA Tour event since Phil Mickelson did it in 1991. That was literally the year I was born, y'all. He is only the seventh amateur to win since the end of World War II. Dunlap is only 20 years old. He was playing in his fourth PGA Tour event and is still a sophomore at Alabama. So he is an amateur, like I said, so he cannot keep the $1.5 million winnings that he is owed for winning this event. But he still had homework to go do. Needless to say, I don't think he ended up finishing it over the weekend. He now has a big decision to make whether he will turn pro or not. Either way, he won't get the winnings. But if he does turn pro, he has a two-year PGA Tour card, as well as qualifying for all these amazing tournaments, including the majors. He already has his ticket punched to some of the majors this year, as he is the U.S. Amateur winner. And I believe the U.S. Junior Amateur as well. So he does have his ticket punched to some of those big events this year. But he also will be able to do the entire rest of the season on the PGA Tour, including next year. Moving along to some Olympic sports Big news this weekend on the World Cup circuit for skiing, and that is that Slovenian Petra Volova is out for the rest of the season. She suffered a knee injury that tore ligaments in her first run of the giant slalom, literally in her hometown. She slid all the way into the safety fence after losing her footing 14 seconds into her run. Sarah Hector would go on to win that event. Michaela Schifrin then won the World Cup slalom event on Sunday in the same location. That is her 95th World Cup title. In sad news, Canadian world champion pole vaulter Sean Barber has died at 29 years old. No cause of death was given. He holds the Canadian record and made the final in the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. He also was back-to-back indoor NCAA champion when he competed for Akron. Also, some other Athletes are retiring. German skier Thomas Dresden is decided to retire at the age of 30. He has had just lingering injuries, and his best year was 2020 when he placed second, and he has won five World Cup titles. Completely shifting sports, Australian 2016 Rio Olympic gold medalist in the 400-meter freestyle, Mac Horton, announced his his retirement just months out from the Paris Olympics. He frankly admitted that he does not have the motivation just to continue. The 27-year-old swimmer who was, you may know him by his nasty rivalry with China's son Yang, and he made a big stink when Yang won after he had been accused of doping. They had this whole like thing on the medal ceremony like stand. So you may know Matt Horton from that. 
I don't usually report on soccer news, but this week the world went rampant with rumors that Dallas has now been awarded the World Cup final for 2026. Um, That official announcement will actually come in February, so not sure what those rumors were that were out there, but that officially will be on February 3rd or the 4th. Also, FIFA's president, Gianni Infantino, has called for teams who have fans who partake in racist abuse that they should their team should have to forfeit their game this is because incidents are starting to run rampant in Italia's Serie A or Serie A and England's championship league AC Milan's goalkeeper left the game after repeated racist chants and Coventry's midfielder Palmer also said he was the victim of racist comments in their game against Sheffield on Wednesday so basically FIFA's president is calling for a hard stop of all the racist comments and then finally tennis as the Australian Open will end this weekend we will have ourselves a new or not a new champion necessarily because actually the reigning champ is still in for the men's on the men's side there are actually no unranked players left as of the quarterfinals we have only one American still in number 12 Taylor Fritz but he has to play the reigning champion number one Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinals Fritz took down number seven, Tsitsipa, though. He was the highest ranked player to be knocked out so far. Y'all, it is a stacked quarterfinal. We literally have number one, two, three, four, five, (laughs) and six all still in. Then we have to drop to number nine and 12. So the American is the lowest ranked player still in. That includes Alcarez from Spain, as well as Medvedev and Rublev from Russia. So it is a stacked men's quarterfinal that ought to be some amazing tennis to watch on the women's side in the second round we saw the longest tiebreaker in grand slam history that was during Rabikana's and blinkova's match which went to 22 points in the final set number one Iga Svitek lost in the third round to czech republic's nuskova in a big upset. Two Americans are still in in the round of 16, Amanda Anasmova and number four, Coco Goff. However, Anasmova lost to number two, Sabalenka Sabalenka in straight sets. Coco Goff did beat her opponent in straight sets as well, Polish player Frick. She is set for the quarterfinals as the first player in the round to advance, and Coco did it in just 63 minutes. She will play Ukraine's Kostyuk. Kostyuk is only one of two Ukrainians left. So big time play by that nation there. Unlike the men's side, there are still four unranked players in the tournament of the quarterfinals for the women. Only second, fourth, ninth, and 12th are still in for ranked players. So literally the exact opposite of what is happening on the men's side. Let's move on to what to watch this upcoming week, as now you've caught up with the last week. So in the NBA, Tuesday, catch the Knicks at the Nets at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Battle of L.A., Lakers at the Clippers at 9. On Wednesday, the Suns take on the Mavericks at 7.30 on ABC, followed by the Thunder at the Spurs at 8.30 on ESPN. Thursday, the Celtics take on the Heat at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Kings at the Warriors at 9. And then Saturday, catch three games back-to-back on ABC. The Heat at the Knicks at 2, the 76ers at the Nuggets at 4.30, and then the Kings at the Warriors at 7.30, all on ABC. Moving along to NCAA basketball, there's 
a lot of games going on that are ranked players or ranked teams, but not a lot of ranked first ranked games. Only two all week are ranked first ranked games. So kind of an off week for them. On Tuesday, number four, Houston will take on number one, BYU at eight. They will play on ESPN plus again that is not till Tuesday and then we don't have the next ranked first ranked game until Saturday number 20 Texas Tech at number 11 Oklahoma they play at one on ESPN plus Oklahoma also has to take on Texas earlier in the week so they will have a busy week as Texas is just outside the top 25 in contrast the women's side we've got a lot of ranked first ranked games there's 10 of them Actually, Monday, tonight, number two, UCLA versus number 16, Utah at six on ESPN2, followed by four, K-State at 13, Baylor at 7.30 on Fox Sports 1. Thursday, number 22, Syracuse takes on number 15, Notre Dame at six on ACCX. And number one, South Carolina takes on number nine, LSU at seven on ESPN. Then on Friday, a matchup in the Pac-12, number three, Colorado at number 25, Oregon State at nine. Saturday, 15, Notre Dame. They've got a big week this week, taking on Syracuse. Then number eight, UConn on Saturday at seven. Sunday, number 19, VTech takes on Syracuse, number 22 at 11 a.m. on ACC Network, followed by number 16, Utah versus 25, Oregon State at two. Things are certainly heating up on the women's side. In the NFL, it is championship weekend, and this will determine who goes on to play for the Super Bowl. Both games are on Sunday. The AFC championship is first. That is the Chiefs versus and at the Ravens. They will play at two on CBS, followed by the NFC championship. It is the Lions traveling to the 49ers to the Bay Area in California. They will play at 530 on Fox. Then we do have some PGA Tour tournaments this weekend, or at least a tournament. The Farmers Insurance Open will start on Thursday. Round one begins at 2 p.m. on Golf Channel. Round two, same time on Friday. Then Saturday is round three. Again, it's back on at 2 p.m. on Golf Channel and then switches over to CBS at four. Sunday, though, the Farmers Insurance Open final round will be at one on Golf Channel and then switch over to CBS at 3 p.m. We have three games in the NHL on regular scheduled TV this week. On Wednesday, the Hurricanes take on the Bruins at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Blackhawks at the Kraken. Then on Friday, the Golden Knights take on the Rangers at 6 p.m. on ESPN. In Olympic sports this week, starting on Thursday, you can catch figure skating. The Pairs short program will be at 1 on USA, followed by the Rhythm Dance at 4, and then the Women's short program at 7 p.m. on USA Network. On Friday, you can catch the men's short program at 3. Then we change over to women's gymnastics, all in the SEC. That will be Alabama versus Florida at 6 on ESPN2, Georgia at Kentucky at 6 on SEC Network, and then rounding out the evening, LSU at Mizzou at 7.30 on SEC. And then Saturday, finally rounding out the weekend, is figure skating pairs free skate will be at 7 on USA. And then moving along to tennis for the Australian Open on Monday, a.k.a. today, we finished the round of 16. That was on at 2 a.m. and 11 a.m. this morning on ESPN2. Then the quarterfinals begin tonight at 8 on ESPN2 as well. Tuesday, we continue with the quarterfinals at 2 a.m., 11 a.m., both on ESPN2 and then 8 p.m. on ESPN. 
quarterfinals will continue into Wednesday, 2.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Then Thursday, the Australian Open women's semifinals will begin at 2.30 on a.m. on ESPN and then 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Then that night is the first men's semifinal at 9.30 on ESPN. And I assume one of these has to be a replay. I assume the second men's semifinal will be at 2.30 a.m. on Friday morning on ESPN and then a replay at 11 a.m. on ESPN 2 because there's only two semifinals. So why there's three times, I don't know. And then on Saturday, the women's final will be at 2.30 a.m. on ESPN. If you want to watch it live, there will be a replay at 7 a.m. on ESPN 2. And then on Sunday, the men's final will be at 2.30 a.m. on ESPN with a replay at 8.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. on ESPN 2. There will also be a full highlight um a highlight reel, I guess, or highlight matches that will be on ABC at 3 p.m. on Sunday as well. All right, y'all, that wraps it up for me this week. Like I said, a lot going on with the first Grand Slam of the year and figuring out who's going to be in that Super Bowl. As always, check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports for More Games and Times. There are literally 41 men's basketball games with a ranked team involved, but only two ranked versus ranked games. So check that out, and I will catch y'all next week. <laughs>